on the book God is Just Like Jesus. If you email me at chris at godisjustlikejesus.com, I'll send you a copy. Okay, this is an interesting one. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, i.e. that's the end of Jesus' life right before he gets crucified, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent his messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him, but the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them, just as Elijah did? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and he said, You do not know what kind of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And he and his disciples went to another village, Luke 9, 51-56. And I've got the footnotes from the NIV there. <clears throat> okay. When you take a moment to think about this passage, talk about the religious tensions between the Jews and the Samaritans, and then talk about why, what James and John are saying and why they want to do this thing, right? Hit pause and then come back. Okay, so uh, I can't obviously go into all the history in just a short little video, but there are religious tensions between the Jews and the Samaritans. And um, there's some context with the, the, the 10 tribes of the 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament kind of uh, going and connecting and intermingling with the other nations, whereas Judah... Um, uh, became the Jewish people and kind of tr stayed a little closer to the traditions of Moses. And, and so there's some tension like, hey, you're not doing it right or you guys are too intense or whatever. And so uh, they come to the Samaritan village and since they hear that they're going to Jerusalem, they don't offer Jesus water, food, a place to stay at night, comforts, nothing. <clears throat> and James and John get seriously hacked off about this. They get offended. And they, for some reason, draw a conclusion in their mind that um, let's do what Elijah did when he's battling the 450 prophets of Baal. Uh, and, and he prayed and a lightning bolt came down and consumed the sacrifice to prove to Israel the Lord is really real. Follow him. Don't follow Baal, Baal, however you want to say it. Don't follow this other religion. And so... You know they're 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 kind of screwing up their perception of uh, of what's happening here. These are just a group of Samaritans, people, villagers, and it's not 450 prophets uh, of a religion where you know in in the religion of Baal, Ashtoreth, Chemosh, some of these older deities in the Old Testament. You know they would have male and female prostitutes at their temple to. Uh, enact various kinds of worship and and they would even go so far as to actually burn their children in the fires what first Kings uh, first King 23 says to try to get more military power to fight the other nation and um, so when Elisha is confronting them he's confronting a very demonic religion it's it's like uh, you know do you want Nazis living all around you do you want the prophets of Baal living all around you and influencing you and your children and so uh, Elijah had this big confrontation with them. So you have to understand the context. Well, James and John are pulling the whole thing out of context, and it's just a Samaritan village. And, and they are erupting in an offense 
uh, with the village and suggesting like a horrific thing. It's it's just sin. Um, but their anger is unclean anger. And it's just way greater proportion than it should be. So, <clears throat> hit pause for a second and talk to me about two things. Or talk to yourself or your people you're with. What's Jesus' response to the sin of James and John uh, and, 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 and their anger, their unclean anger? And also, what's Jesus' response to the Samaritan rejection? I mean, they've rejected him. And honestly, how many miles do you think he walked that day? 20? 30? I mean, who knows? But he's arrived at their village, and, and he's wanting refreshment, some place to stay overnight or for a few days. And, uh, and they're just rejecting him. And um, so talk about those two things. Hit pause and come back. So... The first thing I love is that Jesus looks directly at James and John. He doesn't scream at them. He doesn't have a meltdown. You know, they're, they're really talking about a very violent reaction to the Samaritans rejecting Jesus. And it's out of context. <clears throat> he basically breaks it down for him, and I love what he says. You know, again, he's not yelling, he's not fault-finding them, but, you know, there's there's more than just instruction here. There's more than just challenge, I think. Um, I mean, you see what you think, but I think there's some correction and there's some discipline here. And he says, you do not know what kind of spirit you're of. He goes, you don't, you don't know what you're for, who you are, the kingdom you're attached to. You're blowing out. He said, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Jesus is radically committed to saving all people, no matter what religion, what part of the world they're in, whether male or female, kids, what color they are, what race they are. He's committed to everyone. He's passionate about people. And um, so he instructs them, but there's, there's correction with that. And uh, it says he rebuked them, which, you know, maybe you want to bump that up to a little discipline. Again, he's not rejecting them. He's not telling them, man, you screwed this one up. Again, you're off the leadership team or I don't want to hang out with you personally. Um, but he rebukes them and in front of potentially, you know, all the rest of the disciples. And then he, he corrects them and talks to them about your job once again is not to be the greatest in the way of the Gentiles. Your job is to serve one another and serve people. And they, they keep missing that all the time. But here he highlights it once again. So I love how Jesus responds to this violent, violent um, uh, desire of, of James and John. And they're just like overly offended about the whole thing. Now, <clears throat> you know, just to be really clear, uh, <clears throat> Anybody could have got offended about that. You know, I remember this Old Testament story in, um, what is it, 1 Samuel 25, when David's out in the wilderness, he has protect, protected Nabal's uh, shepherds and everything. And during harvest season, he comes out to uh, uh, Nabal and he sends some men as emissaries. And he says, look, we've protected your people for months and months and months or a year more. You know, if you could share anything with us, that'd be a great thing. Nabal answers him and says, who's David? He goes, there's a lot of slaves breaking free these days. And why should I give my hard-earned 
uh, food and money to to David and to you guys in, instead of my own people or myself. And so he basically um, he basically insults David. David loses it, much like James and John. And when he gets the message, he turns to 400 of his soldiers. He says, everyone, strap on your soldier, your uh, swords. And so they start marching down the ravine. And right before Abigail meets him, which is Nabal's wife, she's a wise woman. Nabal is a fool, is what it says. He's coming around the corner. He's saying, it's been worthless, you know, being honorable, protecting this man's stuff. And he insults us in this way. He goes, may God deal with me severely if by morning everyone's not dead, right? So David is a great example of just losing it in sin and, um, and not being uh, like Jesus. And so fortunately, Abigail shows up there and she says, you know, uh, I, I wish the men had to come to me. My husband's a fool. Here's some things to share with you. My, my sincere apologies. And David says, bless you for stopping me in my unclean anger, my rage. Anyway, so that's a great chapter to read for a similar kind of thing. Well, David learns a lesson there, how to be more like God. Jesus, obviously, is already doing that. So what was his response to the Samaritans? It says, after he said to them, the Son of Man didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And he and his disciples went to another village. Jesus doesn't get hacked off. He doesn't get bent out of shape. He doesn't have a meltdown like David did or like James and John. He says, okay, I came to save people, not destroy them. I'm not going to hold this against them. Let's move on. And you got to ask yourself, was it another 10 miles or 15 miles or 20 miles to the next village or five miles? I don't, you know, that means more walking. That means more tiredness. That means if they're ready to eat and sleep and just call it a day, oh, you got to sign up for the next leg to the next village. So that's a big deal, but you got to love Jesus's response. And and if you put that in a word, right, he can calm the wind and the waves. He can turn water to wine. What's his response? It's like raw humility. I mean, amazing. And uh, so he's humble and he just moves on. Well, let's do the uh, takeaway section. So what's our foundation verse? It's Colossians 1.15. I love this verse. It's really, really clean and clear. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. <laughs> wow. He is the image of the invisible God. So there's five or six verses I have that say the same thing over and over and over, like John 14, 9, where Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So hit pause in just a moment and ask yourself if Jesus, um, well, how Jesus responds to James and John and how he responds to the uh, Samaritans, how does that reveal God, right? So hit pause and talk about that. <clears throat> Okay, so hopefully you said something along the lines. Well, yeah, there's not a right answer. So hopefully it's just your own words and your own learning in the Holy Spirit. And everybody connects to different parts of this. So one of the things I connect with is, wow, Jesus, if you don't have a meltdown with John and James's fiery desire to call down lightning strike on these Samaritans, uh, that means the Father doesn't. And if you bear with him, even if it's it's a, it's a challenge, 
and it's correction with some discipline, but you're not rejecting them, it's correction without rejection, then that means the Father's correcting them, but without rejection. Ooh, that's good. Lord, deal with my sins. Help me see that you are dealing with my sins in that way. I love the fact you're not kicking them off the team, you're not rejecting, you're not shaming them, you're not even accusing them, but you're instructing them and, and uh, correcting them. So, so thank you for that. And then, you know, if Jesus just moves on from the Pharisee, I mean the Samaritans, with humility, that means the Father does. And uh, that's, that's awesome as well. And if Jesus is humble, that means, guess what, the Father's humble. So that's pretty awesome. So there's a takeaway there as well. Sorry, I'm trying to get rid of the light reflection, but I guess we're going to go with it. And then the last one, the worship without music. How do you put that just into um, some worship statement? I think you can just take it away and like, Lord, I love that you are all powerful, but you're humble. You can move mountains with a word. You can calm the storm on the sea. You can turn water to wine. You can call the fish into Peter's net. You can raise the dead, heal the sick, deliver the demonized. And when the Samaritans don't want you, you can just you just walk on. Oh, you are the beautiful God. There is no God like you. And uh, and I want to be just like you. And I think there's opportunities to just worship around that. And again, just the worship of like, Lord, James and John, they're so off base. Uh, they've really got some issues of sin here and you correct them without, but without rejection. Oh, I love that about you. And uh, just take that as an opportunity to worship as well. So there you go.